On this episode, you will learn that there is a superior power in you to help you to become great, enabling you to master the one thing your enemy uses to derail your life and get you off course where you will not fulfill your great divine purpose. Stay tuned. Life was bitter to the core. There was nothing to live for until love came. My name is Harold J. Perkins, and at the age of 17, I was selling drugs and on my way to an early grave. While sitting in my house with about 10 guys, God gave me an out-of-body experience, and I was lifted above the room. I could see everything moving in slow motion. After that, I got up and put those guys out, and I cried out to Jesus Christ. He came into my life with liberty and purpose. Then I ran into religion. And it has taken me over 40 years to navigate through religion to fully understand what came into me that day. This podcast is to help put you on a faster track than it took me to get through religion and experience life, liberty, and purpose on a higher level. So get ready. We're about to start a revolution. Again, welcome. I'm excited about continuing to talk about the power to become great. It's in you, first of all, as one who has been created in the image of God. This is why those who don't walk with God can do great things. They believe they can, and they do. God sent everyone he created in his image to earth with a gift that can become great. But how much more should we, who are now the sons and daughters of God, become great when we have God in us to help us. God wants to help you to be successful in life, but you've got to know what's in you. God didn't make a mistake with you. There is something in you that you haven't tapped into yet. And with the water of God's word and the sunshine of his presence, it will come out of you for all the world to see. Don't believe a lie. No matter how old or young, black or white, tall or short, you can become great in your area of gifting. But you've got to tap into what's in your spirit and learn how to master your fallen flesh. All of your issues are coming from your flesh. If you have received the spirit of Jesus Christ into your spirit, inside you only wants to do what he wants. And he only wants to do good. Listen to what your flesh wants to do. I'm in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. Here's what it says. This I say then. Walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are the contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifested, which are these. Now again, notice, these are the works of the flesh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revilingness, and such the like, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, it doesn't mean that you're not in the kingdom. It's just telling you that God's got some inheritance inheritance in the future for you if you'll learn how to not let these fleshly things govern your life. 
notice it says their works of the flesh. This is what your flesh wants to do, not your spirit. And that's where religion has failed. Your body is not you. It's the place that you live in. You, the real you, is a spirit like God is a spirit. If you've received Jesus Christ, your spirit has been born again with the spirit of Christ now in you. The spirit of Christ hates the works of the flesh. And so do you if you have the spirit of Christ in you. Remember, whatever is in the seed will produce that kind of fruit. And those fleshly desires are not in you because they're not in Christ who is in you. Now, let's look at what's in Christ. Listen to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. But unto the Son, he said, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. You have loved righteousness. He's talking to Jesus. You have loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Christ loves righteousness and hates iniquities. All the works of the flesh that we read are iniquities. And you, the spirit you, has the seed of Christ. So you hate them too. It's your flesh that wants to do iniquities. Listen to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Notice it tells you to present your body, you. So your body is not you. How do you do this? By first of all, understanding that the cravings to do the works of the flesh are not coming from you. It's coming from your body, which is not you. And by renewing your mind to who you really are, you can put the deeds of the body to death. Listen to Romans chapter 8, verses 10 through 13. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. You see, righteousness is in your spirit, and that's why you want to do righteous things, not iniquity, because that's what's in Christ, and that's what's in you now. Verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or make alive your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are not debtors to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the spirit do mortify or put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. Through the Spirit of Christ in you and Holy Spirit, you can put the sinful deeds of the flesh to death. Now understand, it says you have the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus up from the dead to help you. Now, Holy Spirit is not in you just to help you put the deeds of the flesh to death, but to help you succeed in life in your area of gifting. Let me give you an example. One of the years that I was playing professional baseball in Mexico, um, we were playing a double hitter. We're in the last inning 
of the double hitter. Okay. And I'm on second base. It's one out. And I'm recognizing that if I can steal third, I can, a fly ball will score me. But I know this is the last inning. We're down by one run. This run would tie the game. If I get out, it could cost us the game. So I recognized that I needed to make sure that I got a good jump. So I was timing the pitcher. I got his timing and I took off. I had a really great jump. I was sure I was there. And so by the time I slid, I slid head first. And my arms, I was so safe that when when he touched me, he touched my helmet. My my arms were already laying over the bag, already over the base. That's how safe I was. But I forgot something. I didn't pay attention to who the third base umpire was. This is a guy that no matter how safe I was, this guy found a way to call me out all year long. And guess what? He calls me out when I'm safe by a mile. Now, here's what happened. Uh, The guy that was at batting when I got thrown out ends up getting a base hit. That base hit would have scored me and would have tied the game. But instead, the next two guys got out and we lost the game by one run. So I'm in the dugout. We're waiting. This is the first game of a double hitter. And all the other players are not saying a word to me. They're not speaking to me at all. Their attitude is, you just cost us that game. And I feel pretty bad. But here's what I did. I said, I said, God, you, you know I meant well, and you know I was safe. But nevertheless, we lost the game. I'm asking you to help me to show yourself strong on my behalf this second game. And so we come up, I come up the first at bat my se- the second game. And I'm hitting on the left side of the plate, so... If I pull the ball, it's going to right field. Well, right field had a wind. The wind blew in so strong that, I mean, it blew in really hard. I Very few people ever hit a home run into that wind uh, in the times that we played there. And I didn't. I never did. Uh, you know, and then we had played most of the season there, quite a few games there. And so I come up the first time at bat. And. The guy throws me a fastball. Now, you got to hit a rocket for it to get out of the ballpark because of the wind. And I hit a rocket. And that ball kept going, and it went out of the ballpark. That was great. Come up a couple of times later, okay? This time, the guy throws me a slider. Never hit a slider for a home run in my life until that day. He throws me a slider. I hit it into that wind, and it's out of the ballpark. Two home runs into that wind when... That was something that didn't happen at that ballpark and I had never done because I looked to God to help me. The Holy Spirit is not just in us to help us to do spiritual things. The Holy Spirit is in us to help us with our gift. This thing about God has never been about religion. God created man to dominate on earth with his help. This mess we see on earth right now is because man refused God's help. What God wants from you and from me is to believe him. And he has given us a book full of truth that will enable us to believe him. And when we believe him, we will rest and let God do the work. You see, God took the children of Israel out of Egypt to take them to a land of rest. But when they saw the giants in the land that God was taking them into, they didn't believe that God could take them all the way in. Listen to Hebrews chapter uh, 3, verse 16 through 19. This is talking about this situation. For some 
when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved 40 years? Was it not with them who had sinned, whose carcass fell in the wilderness, and to whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. God let these people die because they wouldn't believe, and he took their children into the land. The only thing that stopped them was unbelief. The only thing that can stop you from becoming great and walking in the great things God has for you is unbelief. So how do you build up your belief so you don't fall into unbelief? I'm glad you asked. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Here's what it says. There remains therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Now listen to the next verse that's going to tell you the work that we're to do. This is the labor that he's saying to do. Verse 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. What he's saying here is that the word of God will do away with that unbelief, that if you get his word on the inside of you, it'll drive out that unbelief. The labor is in the word of God. This is why I read my Bible every day. I'm laboring to enter God's rest for my life, and his rest for us is exceedingly abundantly above what we could ask or think. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says, Eye has not seen, and ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. And you love him by loving people and following his principles. You have the seed of his gift that he gave you on the inside of you. And you have the seed of Christ also in you. And the word of God and the presence of God in prayer and worship will bring greatness from in you to upon you for all to see. Listen to John chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. This is talking about Jesus Christ. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spoke. He that comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. Do you hear what that's saying? It's saying that we have received the fullness of God the fullness of Jesus Christ. Everything that was in Christ, we received it. How did we receive it? In seed form, by receiving his seed. So when we look at Jesus, we see all that we can become. He walked in all the fruits of the spirit we talked about on the last episode. He walked in love. He loved people, all people. He had strong faith, speaking to things like trees and storms and sickness and demons, and they all obeyed what he commanded them to do. He demonstrated all the other gifts of the Spirit, goodness, gentleness, meekness, temperance. He was joyful, at peace, and long-suffering. 
He was patient with people. This is our potential in seed form. All we have to do is to be a good gardener. You know, you say, what do I mean by being a good gardener? Well, if you have a garden and you're a good gardener, you know that your garden needs water and sunshine on a daily basis. You also know that you have to pull out the weeds so that they don't choke the life out of your garden. Well, we've talked about the water and the sunshine. Where did the weeds come in at? Well, listen to Mark chapter 4, verses 13 through 20. And this is Jesus. Jesus gave a parable. And now he's about to explain this parable to his disciples. Verse 13 says this, And he said unto them, Know you not this parable? And how then will you know all parables? What he's saying here at the beginning is if you don't get this, you won't get nothing. Verse 14, the sower sows the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves, and so endure, but for a time afterwards, when afflictions and persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. You see, when you start walking in this and start putting to practice this word, the devil is going to bring afflictions and persecution from others to get you offended. And what he's after is the word to get your focus off of the word of God. Verse 18 says this, and these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things enters in and chokes the word and it becomes unfruitful. And these are they likewise which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, and some a hundredfold. You see, the devil is after the word. Isn't it amazing that he knows the power of the word and most believers don't? Because if they really knew, they would be in the word every day. The word can make you a millionaire. The word can make you a good parent. The word can make you a success in life. The word can amplify the gift in you to greatness. It's all in a simple process of being a good gardener. Now, was God trying to tell us something in the beginning when he put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden that we can become great if we learn how to be good gardeners? Satan is after the word of God, and he's after your thinking. He wants you to have stinking thinking of fear, doubt, and unbelief. He wants your mind. As powerful as the seed of Christ in you is, without your mind thinking in line with your spirit, you can live and die and never manifest the greatness that's in you. We read earlier, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. A few years ago, I had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ about 3 a.m. He said, the problem with the church is the flesh and the unrenewed mind. And it's not being taught clearly, and he was going to open a door for me to teach it. You see, the problem is not really with the devil. He's already been defeated. Your biggest challenge is what wakes up with you every morning, your flesh. 
The devil's doorway into your life is your flesh and unrenewed mind that thinks in line with your flesh. The flesh is a mindset, insecurity, lack of self-esteem, the feeling of abandonment, no self-confidence, are all fleshly mindsets. The Word of God on a daily basis will transform your thinking, which will transform your life. Listen to this last scripture, Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. Jesus is talking, and he said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man cast seed into the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring forth and grow, he knows not how. For the earth bring forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, and after that, the full corn in the ear. So in other words, you got to have some patience. It's going to come up little by little. Verse 29 says, but when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he put it in the sickle because the harvest is come. If you're consistent, harvest time is coming. If you're being a good gardener and you're planting the water and the sunshine of the word and you're being uh, one that goes in and pulls up the weeds and doesn't allow the, the enemy to govern your thinking, harvest time is coming. You see, you don't have to know how. Just follow the simple process. Be a disciple of Jesus Christ. A disciple is a disciplined one, one who has disciplined himself to be consistent. I was so hungry to be a professional baseball player that I became consistent at getting my workouts in every day. There was no time off. I worked continually at my goal. I became disciplined and it carried over to every area of my life. So to become consistent at reading the Bible and praying was easier because I had already become a disciplined one. But the most rewarding for me in becoming a disciplined one was in regards to the things of God. I'm confident that my greatest rewards are yet ahead. There is no age limit for the blessings of God to come upon your life. No matter how old or young you are, you can become great by becoming a disciplined one in the things of God. God is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. And in seeking him, you will find great you. Greatness is in you already. Tap into it by seeking God in his word and in prayer and watch who you become. Let me say right here, if you don't know our living Savior, Jesus Christ, you can get to know him now. Pray this prayer with me. Say, God, I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins. Jesus, I accept you into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Help me to live this life. Thank you. That's it. It's that simple. If you believe what you just prayed, he has come in. Start reading the Bible for yourself. You can start in the book of St. John and in the book of Romans, and God will begin to show you his purpose for your life, and he'll begin to show himself unto you. Okay, we'll see you on the next episode. I was